Good worship time this morning. Beautiful day. Jeff's a little crazy, well, crazier this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm just excited to share this passage of Scripture with you this morning. I hope that it will be as much of an encouragement to you as it has been to me in meditating and studying it and reading about it for these last several months leading up to today. Hebrews chapter 12, it really begins in verse 18 this morning, and we want to go through verse, uh, from verse 18 through the rest of chapter 12. The author has been trying to encourage and exhort the, the readers of this letter to not turn back to their, to their old life, to their old ways. He's basically said, there, there's nothing back there for you you got to keep moving on as, as hard and difficult and challenging as it may be uh, because there's nothing there for you. you. You've got to keep moving forward. But these first century Jews, when they embraced Christ, uh, they were under severe persecution and under severe pressure and they were being ostracized by their family and friends and, and they were paying a great price for being followers of Jesus Christ. And so he writes this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to try to inspire and encourage these folks to keep on keeping on and fighting the good fight. And here in this passage of Scripture, he's basically laying out three things for them to consider. If, if Hebrews chapter 11 uh, are the examples of faith that God has given us, from looking at the great, say, uh, women and men of the past of faith uh, to inspire us, then chapter 12 would sort of be the encouragement to faith to the exhortations to faith, to continue to run the race with endurance that we've already talked about and continue to be a follower of Jesus Christ no matter what challenges or obstacles are in our way. And then next week we're going to begin looking at chapter 13 where he gives us the evidences of faith. If we are people of faith and we truly trust and believe and have confidence in God and in his word, what will our lives look like? That's next week. But today it's all about exhortations or encouragement to live a life of faith and run this race with God, hand in hand with Him. The first, second, and third things that that the author talks about here is that he's saying to them that it's possible for us now to be close to God. I mean, extremely close to God. So he's saying to us, don't you want to take advantage of that and be as close to God as possible? It's possible now to be that close to God. Second, he's going to tell us that though many of us say, you know, we want to hear from God. We, we want to know what God says. We're, we're interested in, in hearing from God. He's saying that's possible too. And so he's going to tell us, you know, how in a sense to do that and and then finally, you know, there are many of us that say we, we want our lives to count, to truly count and matter. We want to be part of something that is, that is permanent, that, that, is, that, is, uh, that will remain, that, uh, that lives on. And he's going to tell us, and that's possible too. But it's only possible if we keep on moving forward in our spiritual life and spiritual growth. Because going backwards... 
is really not an option for any of us, including the recipients of this letter. Especially in their case, because he's reminding them, do do you really want to go back under the Old Testament way of doing things? Under the Old Covenant? Instead of enjoying the privileges and benefits of, of what Christ has brought to you under the New Covenant? And so notice he begins to talk to them about this, beginning in chapter 12 and verse 18. He says to them, you have not come to something that can be touched, to a burning fire and darkness and gloom and a whirlwind and the blast of a trumpet and a voice uttering words such as those who heard begged to hear no more. For they could not bear what was commanded. And even if an animal touched the mountain that God was on, it must be stoned. In fact, the scene was so terrifying that Moses himself said, I shudder with fear. The author is going back to the book of Exodus, specifically to Exodus 19 and 20. And he's reminding them, this is the way it was under the law. This is the way it was under the covenant. And what God was doing during that time, was reminding mankind of our sinfulness and of His holiness. And everything about the Old Covenant, under the law, under those who tried to even approach God by works, was that God trying to be approached through works, through our own self-righteousness, through through our own uh, way of doing things and coming to God, was totally unapproachable. Because he is a holy God. And we have even lost, even in the church today, that that sort of understanding of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Sad to say, because we are under the new covenant, we forget how holy God is. And we forget how sinful we are. And that as sinful people, we can't just walk up to God and approach Him. There is no way we could ever survive that way. So that's the picture He's reminding them. You want to go back to the Old Covenant? Where where people lived sort of in in an unhealthy even fear of God? and, And where His holiness was so real. And the other thing, too, that I think it's interesting, you know, we live in such a, a, a sensory, visual world today. And yet, I think you're going to see this in chapter 12, that everything about the Old Covenant and the Old Testament was sensory and visual. And yet God says, that's not the superior way. The superior way was through my son and listening to the word of God. It's very interesting, even though, you know, we live in a culture that is primary visual and and sensory and wants to touch and feel things. The author would say, you want that? Then go back to the Old Testament. Because it was all about touching and feeling and, and, and experiencing on that level. But that was all physical, you see. And what God was trying to do was remind people that I want to reach you not just on a sensory, external, visual, you know, uh, level like that. I want to reach you from the inside out. That's why he later says, under the new covenant, I will put my word into your heart. I will meet you down here, see, not, not out here somewhere. So it's a really incredible picture of the holiness of God 
and again, how sinful we are. And we cannot ever approach God in law, in works, in our own self-righteousness. However, if that's where we ended, it'd be a pretty bleak, depressing message from God today. But it's not. Because now he's going to move on and reminding the readers of this letter and reminding us, but under grace, under, under what Christ has done, God is very much approachable by us and we can get as close to God as we absolutely want to. Yeah, I hope, I hope that that stirs your heart this morning. Notice what he says then beginning in verse 22. He says, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, to the assembly and congregation of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men and women who have been made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of something better than Abel's does. Now, there's a lot here. I don't want to go necessarily into the details of it today. But again, all of these verses are simply describing the benefits, blessings, and privileges we have under the new covenant based upon what Christ has done. Because when he uses the phrase in verse 22, you have come, it means to approach, to draw near, to worship. And it speaks of extreme closeness. He's saying, do you realize that under the old covenant, People could not approach God based upon law and works and self-righteousness because he's unapproachable. He's a holy God. But what God did and what his plan was, was to send Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to earth to be our substitute, to die in our place on the cross, to take the penalty of sin and all of that on himself, which is what a holy God remaining just needed to do. And then God granted us, undeserving through his grace, his righteousness, So that not only does he take away and forgive us of our sin, but he allows us then to stand in a righteousness that is not ours, but given to us freely through Jesus Christ. And therefore it is as we stand in the righteousness that we've been granted by God in Christ that we can approach this holy God. And that we can get as close to God as we want to get. That's the amazing thing. There is nowhere in the Bible where it says that under what Christ has done, we get too close to God. Where God says, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm holy, and, but, but you're getting too close. Back off. No. That's what he's saying. And, and everything that he's talking about here is about the fellowship and the communion, if you will, and, and the community that God then builds through this new covenant through his son, Jesus Christ. Which is why he mentions things like, now we're going to come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem. And we're going to even be able to get 
you know, right up there shoulder to shoulder with angels that we've heard about for centuries and through our own lifetime uh, in the Bible. And then we're going to come to the congregation of the firstborn. That's the word ecclesia, which is speaking about the church, the body of Christ, the called out ones who are called by God to come and gather together uh, consistently to come and worship him in a corporate public way. And then he says, oh, and we also are enrolled in heaven. I love that phrase. It's reminiscent and reminding to me of what Jesus said to the disciples after he sent them out on that that one uh, sort of missions trip. And they came back and they were blown away by the power of God pulsating through their lives and what God could do through them. And they were sort of telling Jesus, Jesus, as if he didn't know. Jesus. We went out there and man, you know, we were, we were raising people and, and we were healing people and we were ministering and we were even casting out demons and all that. And not that Jesus wasn't impressed by, again, what God can do through a mere human being. But I love Jesus' response. He says, that's great. That, that, that's awesome. But here's the thing you really should be rejoicing about. This is the thing that should make you glad every day of your life. And that is that your names are written in heaven. That's what he's talking about here. Is your name written in heaven? Are you enrolled in heaven? Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And we make that preparation to be there in this great community of angels and Old Testament saints and New Testament saints before we go to meet Jesus. Then he goes on to say, oh, and we also come to God, the judge of all. And yes, he is the judge of all, the Bible says. But because you and I stand in the righteousness of Christ, we never have to worry about God being our judge as far as, again, being close to him and and having a relationship with him. Because that's all been taken care of under the new covenant through Jesus Christ. We can get close to God. Then he goes on to say, oh, and guess what? We get to be with the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect. I think that's a phrase describing the Old Testament saints who have now been glorified and are with God. And I love this, and to Jesus. Think about it again, the contrast. Old Testament, God would come down in this this cloud and, and darkness and the mountain would shake and, and lightning and thunder and again all these sensory physical things going on to try to magnify the holiness of God and remind those who were seeking to approach him of their own sinfulness. And it was all about, my goodness, he says, even Moses was like, man, this is, this is scary. But there was something that God was trying to do even back then was to remind us of who we are and who he is. And so many people today lack a respect and a reverence for God. And even though we can get as close to God as we want to today, we should never lose our reverence and respect for God. In fact, the closer we get to God, the more we should reverence and respect Him because we're beginning to understand as we draw closer to Him of who He really is and what He has done for us because we really know who we are. You see. And so one day the Bible says we're going to stand with Jesus. Not just before Jesus, we're going to stand with Jesus. The book of Revelation tells us that the residence of God is with men and we will see his face. Yes, the face of Jesus one day. How do we get that close to Jesus, a holy God? Through what Jesus did. And so the author is saying, you want to go back? 
You want want to go back to the old way of doing things in the old covenant where you felt so far away from God and God was distant and God was unapproachable? He says, why would you ever want to do that? You keep on moving forward and marching forward with God because what God has done for you allows you and I to get as close to God as we want to. Literally to come face to face with God any moment of our lives. Hopefully you even felt that here this morning. That you've come here and not that you couldn't be face to face with God in your homes this morning before you come. But hopefully you came here and you felt and experienced the presence of God even before this message this morning. And that you and God were meeting together. Because that's what God wants. He wants, if he's he's provided this way to get close to God, then he's inviting us, get close to me. How close are we to God? And here's the thing, we can always get closer. And so what God is wanting to stir within his people is that desire to be closer to God, to get closer to God. Because again, God will never tell us if we desire to get closer to him, okay, you've come too far. No, God will say, keep coming, keep coming. The book of James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. You want to get as close to God as humanly possible? God says, come on. The way has been opened. It's been provided. It's why when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in two. That way, that that barrier between God and man was torn forever down. And through Jesus Christ now has been made open. So come on, my friends, get close to God. He says Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, one who has intervened to restore harmony and peace between God and men. And he did it through the sprinkled blood. For we have not been redeemed by silver silver and gold from our vain manner of life, but we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without spot and without blemish. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. And then I love this. He says, and this blood of Jesus speaks of something better than Abel's does. When Abel was murdered by his brother Cain, his his blood cried out from the ground for vengeance, for justice. The blood of Jesus Christ cries out for mercy, pardon, and forgiveness. That's why it's so much better. Because you and I never have to worry about paying under Jesus Christ the penalty for our own sin. That's all been taken care of through the blood of Jesus Christ and we can get as close to God as possible. I want to encourage you today. Because a way has been provided for you and I to get as close to God as we want, then be inspired to get closer to God today. Don't, don't let the barriers and, and the walls that maybe you have erected in your own life to keep you at a distance from God, to keep you there any longer. And get rid of whatever sin or disobedience or, or stubbornness or self-will or whatever is keeping you from just getting close to God. The author is saying it's been taken care of. You have been set free So come into the very presence of God and begin to live face-to-face with God every day. And then he says in verse 25, 
Not only can we get close to God, but yes, it is possible for those who desire to hear God's voice and to know what God is saying to actually hear God speaking to us, which is why he says, take care. It means to give continual and special attention to this. Take care not to refuse the one who is speaking. So he's already saying, God is speaking to you. Are you hearing him? Are you listening? It's not that God's not speaking. It's not that God's trying or not trying to communicate with us. The responsibility lies with us to make sure that we are listening to him as he speaks. And what God is primarily speaking about here, if we want to hear God's voice, if we really truly desire to know what God says, then the Bible says of itself that the primary way God speaks to us today under the new covenant is through his word. So God would say to us, you want to hear my voice? You truly want to know what I'm thinking? You, you, want to, you want to hear me speak into your life? Then pay attention to my word. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Saturate your mind with it. This is the way we know what God is saying to us and and what He's speaking to us. If we truly want to know, we'll be men and women of the Word of God. And we will listen. And the word listen means more than just to physically hear. It means to obey, to yield to. I was sharing with some of the folks who are newer to our, our church on Friday night at Jim and Bonnie's house, that, that, that I believe that the best way to, to know the Word of God is not through topical study. Even though that is the primary way you will hear the Word of God taught in most churches today, topical studies will never give you the understanding of the Word of God that studying the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse will do. The only way you and I will truly begin to understand these 66 books that can be even overwhelming to Christians is to break those 66 books down one book at a time, giving your attention and my attention to one book at a time, one chapter at a time, and one verse at a time. That's the way you and I learn the Word of God. That's why I want to encourage you to continue to do that in your life. That's how we know what God is saying to us. That's how we know what God is speaking to us. It is when we pay careful attention to His Word. Let me remind you of something we talked about weeks and weeks ago. Keep your finger there in Hebrews 12 and go back to the book of Hebrews To Hebrews, where is it here? Hebrews chapter 3. Notice this isn't the first time the author's talked about paying attention to what God is saying. He says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Oh, that today you would listen as he speaks. Do not harden your hearts as they did in the day of the rebellion in the wilderness. 
Then if you go over a little bit further in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, notice he says in verse 15, Oh, that today you would listen as he speaks. Do not harden your hearts. Then again, up in verse chapter 4, verse 7, Oh, that today you would listen as he speaks. Do not harden your hearts. There's a pattern here throughout the book of Hebrews and really throughout the Bible. It's look. You want to know what God is saying? You, you want to hear God's voice in your life? Then pay attention to his word. Listen to him as he is speaking. For notice it says, back in chapter 12, verse 25, For if they did not escape, it means to avoid negative consequences. If they did not escape, when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less? Shall we, if we reject, if we disregard, if we have a refusal to listen to the one who warns us from heaven? He goes on to say, then his voice shook or moved the earth. But now he has promised, he has pledged his word, announcing with certainty, I will once more shake and move not only the earth, but heaven too. Now this phrase, once more indicates or makes plain or clear the removal of what is shaken, the taking away or passing away of of created things, what is temporary, material, and perishable, so that what is unshaken may remain. And so again, this is what God is saying to us through His Word. Which leads us then to the point number three in the author's thought process. I can get close to God. Let's get close. I can hear what God is saying. So let's listen when God speaks. And third, he's saying, you want as a mere human being to be part of something that will last forever? You want to be part of something that is permanent that is firm, that is stable, that will remain, that will last, then he's saying, then live for the things that God calls us to live for. Because God is shaking. And and God is going to shake out in this world and in our lives everything that does not come from him. Everything that does not find its source in God. Everything that is not aligned with God and agreeing with His nature. Everything that is not eternal, one day will pass. It will perish. It will be gone. So the author is saying, but here's the good thing. That's true. God has promised it. It's certainly going to happen. But God says, but you and I don't have to live for things that pass away. We can even on earth live for things that last. Be involved in things that remain. Give our lives for eternal things. Or even as Jesus said to his followers, lay up even treasure in heaven. It's possible. So let's not live for the things that can be shaken. Let me share with you a couple passages that speak of this shaking that's coming. Turn with me, keep your finger in Hebrews 12, and turn with me to the book of Revelation, to Revelation chapter 6 this morning. Revelation chapter 6. 
And I want to begin at verse 12. Then I looked when the Lamb opened the sixth seal, and a huge earthquake took place. The sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the full moon became blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth like a fig tree, dropping its unripe figs when shaken by a fierce wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved from its place. By the way, can I interject something before I move on? Many people think that space in the universe is simply sort of this emptiness, if you will, or just vastness, but it's actually a fabric. Even science has shown that, that literally can be sort of, you know, punched into and, and, and rolled up. That's the way God designed it. And God is literally going to sort of roll that up one day. Then the kings of the earth and very important people The generals, the rich, the powerful, and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and amongst the rocks of the mountains. They said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to withstand it? And that would be the perspective of those who are not in Christ and who are standing in His righteousness. They, again, have no place to stand before God. Because sinful man cannot approach a holy God on his own. It is only because you and I stand in what Christ has done that we can approach God and get as close to him as we possibly want to. And then turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8, where Peter writes, Now, dear friends, do not let this one thing escape your notice, that a single day is like a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord is not slow concerning His promise, as some regard slowness, but is being patient toward you, because He does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. When it comes, the heavens will disappear with a horrific noise and the celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze and the earth and every deed done on it will be laid bare. The shaking is coming, my friends. Since all these things are to melt away in this manner, what sort of people must we be conducting ourselves in holiness and godliness while waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of this day, the heavens will be burned up and dissolved and the celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness only resides. Folks, the author of Hebrews is saying to his recipients and saying to us, God is getting ready to shake things and move. And everything that is temporal, everything that is physical, everything that is perishable will be gone. 
But fortunately, God allows us, his children, those in right relationship with him, not to just live for those mere things that will one day be gone, but to actually connect with and be in touch with things that will last, things that will remain, things that are stable and firm and secure. And so God is saying, let's live for those things. Let's make our life truly count. Why do we want to pour all of our time and energy and effort into things that one day will not last God-shaking? And can I say that the message of the Bible too is this. Though that day is still yet to come, here's what God does with us as children. He starts that moving and shaking in our lives the moment we accept Christ as our Savior. That's part of his training that we've already talked about in the book of Hebrews. Because he goes on there in chapter 12, the very last verse, verse 29, to tell us that our God is a consuming fire. And God will work with his children to consume and devour everything out of our life that is not in alignment or agreement with him that is not eternal. The things of this earth, he wants us to let go of and hold on to loosely. The things that are eternal, the things that really matter, the things that will remain, he wants us to focus on those things and live for them every day and give them priority. And so in our lives, that's why even as Christians, God tries to teach us, let go of that. Don't make that such a big deal in your life. It's not going to be around. It's not going to last. You're giving all of your attention to that. It's going to be burned up one day and gone forever. Live your life for what will remain. Live your life for what's going to last past your life and my life and everyone's life on into eternity, into that new heaven and new earth. Live for those things, the author says. Because that's what really matters. And when you and I live for those things, when we make that the priority of our life, then we also find a fulfillment and a satisfaction and a joy and a peace that living for the the temporary, physical things of this world that so many live for today can never bring us. Which is why Jesus even said, you and I can gain this whole world and yet lose our soul. And Jesus says, even if you had the whole world on your plate, everything the world could offer you, He says, you realize the world's going to pass away. It's going to pass away. And I believe that day is coming very, very soon. So what should be our response? If we can truly get close to God, as close as we want, and we can hear what God is saying at all times and know what God is saying, we can can know what God's thinking and, and we know His mind and we can actually be in touch with things that will last forever? The author says, here's what our response should be. Back to Hebrews 12, verse 28. He says, so since we are receiving from God 
as a gracious gift, not that we deserve it, an unshakable kingdom, an immovable, stable, firm, enduring kingdom, he says, shouldn't we live every day giving thanks? Shouldn't we be the most grateful, gracious people on planet Earth? Because we're part of something that's unshakable. No earthquake, no act of God, no judgment of God can touch it. Shouldn't we wake up every day thankful? And then he says, And through this, let us offer worship, pleasing to God. By the way, this word worship speaks of fervent adoration and service. He's saying, if God's allowing us to be a part of this unshakable kingdom that will last one day, we can get close to God, we can hear God's voice, we can live for what really matters. Shouldn't we then be giving God our very best? Shouldn't we be making Him the priority of our life? Giving him our all. And then he ends in devotion and awe. It means, and living every day with a profound sense of reverence and respect for our God. Shouldn't our view and opinion of God just continually be elevated? Shouldn't we walk away? every time we encounter our God and get close to Him and hear Him speaking to us and just go, God, you are amazing. And and the fact that God, as holy as you are, you have made a way for me to get close to you. You have made a way for me to hear you. You have made a way for me and my life to count for something. That my life does have purpose and meaning. That I'm not just an accident on this earth. That my life can count for eternity, God. Wow. What a God. I bow, God, to you. And I seek to live for you. Folks, I don't want today to be a downer at all. I I mean, certainly the authors talk to us about some serious stuff. but, But I want the truth of God's Word today to inspire and motivate us and get us excited about being the people of God that we are and having the privileges that we have of drawing close to God and hearing from God and living for eternal things. Because the Bible says in the book of Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I want us to be a people who are filled with the joy of God because of who He is and what He has done for us so that we could have such a rich life in Him. That's why we're going to sing our final song about the strength that God gives us when we wait upon Him. And let's make this song an anthem from our heart to God's heart. God, we want to draw closer because we can. We want to hear from you because we can. We want to live for eternal things because we can. Let's pray as the worship team comes. Father, thank you for allowing us to be able to get close to you. 
Oh God, if we only, if we only could realize how holy you are. How absolutely set apart you are from everything in creation. And God, if we could truly begin to grasp how sinful we are. The Bible tells us we are born in sin and we are depraved and we are dead in our sins and trespasses. But God, as those that you lovingly created, you did not want to leave us there. Hopeless and helpless throughout all eternity. But you provided a way through Jesus Christ to raise us up unto new life to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Son that you love, to give us life and freedom and liberty and even, Lord, access into the very presence of you so that we could talk to you and speak with you face to face and live life with you face to face. God, thank you for giving us your word so that we can hear you speak to us and know what's on your mind and what you're thinking. And God, thank you for putting us in touch with eternity, for giving us, even on earth, the opportunity to live for things that will last beyond this life, things that will truly count millions of years from now when we're in heaven and in glory. What a God you are. Help us to respond today in thankfulness, in devoted and fervent service, and with a growing even respect and reverence for who you are like never before, God. Give us your joy and your peace today. Rouse your people and stir us up so that we can fight the good fight of faith. And keep on this road of following Jesus Christ no matter what obstacles or challenges lie in our path. Keep us going forward, Lord, for you and for us and for others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's sing this song together.